the thing to think about is we all have very limited time and resources. And it's much better to be interacting and spending time with people who get what we want, you know, or get who we are. You're listening to the REI Branded Podcast. It's for you, the busy real estate investor who wants to stand out from the crowd and attract the right leads, right partners, and right clients every time. My name's Paul Copcut, and each week we'll be looking to decode and uncover what makes a real estate investor brandtastic and how you can apply it to your real estate investing business. Each episode is intended to be valuable, cut to the chase, and actionable so you can begin to implement quickly and easily to get the results you want in your business. Thank you for listening. Now let's get to work on making you brandtastic. Paul has been working with us at the Right Club. He's got a lot of insights that I I always learn when I I talk to Paul. I always learn something. And I don't know about you, but I I think he's done great things for the Right Club. Yeah, absolutely. So Paul Cupcut, I met him probably a couple years ago now. And I found him on LinkedIn. We had a few connections in common. And he helped me completely revamp my brand, my marketing, my strategy, And I was very happy. So now he's working for us and he's been working for the Right Club for about a year and really helping us with our marketing, our strategy, our branding, and just tying all of our crazy ideas together and just making sure that there's that consistency in brand and message. And so it's uh, it's really cool. So we're going to get into that. So guys, we're going to go into our podcast episode and hear about Paul Cupcut and how he's branding and how he's working with investors. And probably some of you guys that are listening out there that come out to the Right Club have seen him, potentially have seen him speak as well. Like He is a speaker. He was a speaker recently at the Investor Forum. He's spoken to at many other RBC, et cetera, et cetera, many large companies as well. And uh, it's about real estate, but it's also about your life, your lifestyle, everything around it, what, what it can bring you and how to get to your best life possible. And branding and strategy ties into it very well. So let's, uh, let's get on with the podcast. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Sarah. Really looking forward to this. Absolutely. So for those of you that may or may not know, Paul is really a huge help at the Right Club, does a lot of our branding, our strategy, helps implement a lot of our ideas. And so I wanted to welcome you to the show. Laurel and I have tons of questions to ask you. But first and foremost, can you let the audience know or let our Right Club listeners know a little bit about what you actually do in your life? Yeah, sure. So what I do is uh, everything that I do revolves around first and foremost, personal brand. So personal brand is about understanding who you are and your unique abilities and strengths. And then how do you best communicate that to get noticed and stand out from others that say they do the same thing. And that kind of extends then from personal brand into team brand and then ultimately into company or corporate brand. So, so that's what I do. I, I help people kind of get clear on that and, and how, do they, how do they generate business and how do they get noticed by the people they want to, to reach. So that really, Sarah and I were just talking about that, actually, about how people misunderstand or confuse the idea of a, like a creating a logo. Like a lot of people think the logo is the brand, right? 
And you, right. you yep. gently disabuse them of that notion, correct? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, logo is just a reflection or a visual representation of how you want your brand to be perceived, but it's not what the brand is. The brand is a, a combination of who you are, who your target audience is, and how you differentiate from your competitors. So if you can if you can look at it like kind of three, like a Venn diagram with three circles, you and understanding everything about what, what makes you tick, understand what it is that your target audience represents and what they're looking for, and then understand who else is trying to to reach and influence that group. And if you can find that sweet spot in the middle, that is the essence of your brand and who you are. That's really cool. So you know what, let's just for fun, take the right club. And let's dissect it a little bit. And you started working with us about a year, I think, ago. Yep, yep about a year ago. Yep. And so, okay, so here we are. I know you were working with me a little bit prior as well. We have this club. Can you walk us through like some of the things that, that you look at and you're like, okay, here's how we have to brand. Here's what we need to do. Here are the steps. Can you walk us through a little bit of what you did with us and for us? Yeah, sure. So... Uh, a good example, actually, is um, around about the time of this recording, uh, you guys have been revisiting the values of, of the Right Club, as an example. So that is one of the core foundation pieces around what a brand stands for, is what are your values? Because uh, you and I may have exactly the same value. Say honesty is a value that we, that we love and, and want to represent us. Your definition of, of honesty is going to be completely different from my definition. So that's one of the key elements is understanding what your values are and then are you living those values every day? And that's part and parcel of brand representation is if the right club stands for those five, six values, every interaction, every time somebody comes across you online, offline, be that an email, be that a face-to-face at one of the events, is that brand, is that value being lived and, and delivered, delivered on? Uh, the vision is the other big V. So uh, what I call is, when you're looking at brands, is appointing the VPs of your life or uh, of your organization. So vision, purpose, values, passions. So the other V around brand is vision. So what is the vision that the right club has? And you know, there's lots of other good real estate networking clubs out there. But what is it that the right club does differently? So one of the big things I noticed with the right club almost immediately is that sense of community there's a real sense of community in the right club when you go to the events and even actually even if you interact with people outside of the events i still find you know the right club attracts a certain type of like-minded real estate investor that is about community is about helping each other and once you start to interact with with people at the right club you get that sense because people come up to you the a week later or a month later or at the next event and they remember you and they get they immediately strike into that whole kind of community conversation versus it being can you help me get this money can you help me find this that's not that's not what people are about is how can i best help you what's happening in you know quite typically the the question i find at the right club is what are you working on at the moment how can i help you versus you go to a lot of networking events and it's the other way around I'm looking for this. How can you help me? So it isn't, it isn't really about what's in it for me. It's what's in it for you. So 
you know, those are the kind of things that you're looking for around vision and values and then purpose and passion. You know, the purpose of the right club is to advance every member's real estate investing business. You know, there's almost that, like, that's a, a, you get a sense of that mission for the right club. And then passions, yeah, everybody's passionate about what they do. And they, there's fun. I mean, you see the feedback from people. People can't believe that an event is a three-hour event. They can't believe how quickly the time flies. They're, they're engaged. They're entertained. You know, it's, it's fast-paced. It's fun. You know, those are all the things that I think make the right club stand out as an as a investment club. That's awesome. That's really interesting. Now, what are some of the things, because, you know, before we started talking, I mean, I didn't even have, I don't know if you remember, like you created my business card, literally, I didn't even have that. You know, what are some of the things that you have been able to help build along the way? Like as just like more maybe examples of, okay, if somebody's thinking, listening to this and saying, I need to create a brand or I need to, I don't know, start a group or what, you know, what, whatever it might be. What are some of the examples of things that you, you would help them with? That's a good question because everybody already has a brand. The key is whether they understand what that is and then how they best communicate in that. So it's helping people probably get clearer about what that brand already is. So what are your strengths? What are the words that people use to describe you? So if I went to five people that know you well enough, you know, what are the top three words that they would use to describe you? And you'll start to see a pattern. And getting other deeper feedback. So one of the things that we do with individuals is send them or get them to send out a 360 to people who know them well and what words would they use to describe them, what skills do they think they have, what are their strengths, what's their weaknesses, what are the things that they do differently and so well. And you'll start to get a – and this is anonymous, so people can be pretty honest. And people will start to see – you'll start to see a pattern and you'll start to see a picture of that individual very often – I can actually do a 360 or look at somebody's 360 and get a sense of that person without even necessarily having ever met them because the feedback that you get from people is so so clear and it's also so so emotionally connected and that's what you know that at the end of the day brands you think about the brands that you know and love there's a reason why you will go to and buy those brands versus somebody else who offers you know there's no unique brands out there so why is it that you would go to Starbucks to have a coffee when you've probably walked past or driven past three Tim Hortons, a second cup and something? You know else? me well. You so, know me well. <laughs> <laughs> I use Starbucks as the example. But I mean, I, I'm the same. I'll drive past five Tim Hortons to get to a Starbucks. And I only drink black coffee, so I'm not even into the, you know, the $5 fancy drinks. But it's, it's the way that Starbucks makes me feel both from a, a company and an organization, but also the individuals that live that brand. And you think, if you think back to the Right Club, uh, the same sort of thing. You look at the co- you look at the co-founders of the Right Club, and it's it's the delivery of the Right Club's brand by those individuals. And that's you know that's the culture. You've set the culture. You've set the tone for what the brand is. So the same thing that somebody needs to think about individually is what is it they want to be known for. How do they want to be perceived? I'm not talking about necessarily creating some kind of false image, but there may be a little bit of a stretch. There may be a, you know, you're not quite where you want to be, but everything that you do, every interaction, every delivery, every time somebody comes across you or talks about you, you want them to think that thing, that, that brand. That's what you want to be perceived as. 
So if if I'm a, a, a real estate investor, or I'm, I'm just starting out in real estate investing, and and I'm going, well, okay, so now you're telling me I need I need to identify my brand. I might say to you, well, I don't like. What difference is it going to make to me? I'm just I just want to work with a couple of people, maybe go into some joint ventures and get four or five uh, properties, and I'm happy with that. So what what difference does it make to me? A, a good, great question. I think the, the thing to think about is we all have very limited time and resources. And it's much better to be interacting and spending time with people who get what we want, uh, you know, or get who we are. So like, again, it goes back to like-minded people. I mean, the last thing you want to do is, so if your goal is to be a real estate investor who wants to do certain type of investments, uh, and partner with, say, a joint venture partner who's a, a quiet joint venture partner. So the partner will come up with the money, but you do all the work and you run the project. And then you, but you present a brand that attracts people that are micromanaged joint venture partners. That's going to drive you nuts. You know, you're not going to enjoy that relationship. So it's probably even more important to be clear. It's it goes back to. Clearly, not just clearly stating what you're looking for, but also clearly stating what you're not looking for. You know, if you're this type of joint venture partner who wants to know every week how their joint venture is going, how their investment is going, I'm not your person. So making it, you know, because as I say, it goes back to that limited time, those limited resources. You don't want to be spending 50% of your time managing a bad relationship. And I don't mean bad in terms of the, the other person is is a bad person, but it's just, it's not a good fit. So it's the same as Starbucks, you know, they're not going to attract people that are looking for $1 coffee. It's just not part of their brand. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. What if somebody is attracting those types of people? Like what do you do with them specifically to try to take them from saying you are not attracting the right type of joint venture partner? Like what are you doing with them to get them to change that piece? So you want to be looking at tar- you know, target audience. So getting very, very clear about demographics, psychographics, where do these people hang out? You know, they may be going to the wrong events. They may be having the wrong kind of conversations. They may be on the wrong social media to try and attract those people. It could be a, a host of different things that they're doing wrong, but it's a case of analyzing first and foremost, who's the target audience? What do you know about them? How detailed can a picture can you build up of that target audience? And then where do they hang out? Where can you go and invest that limited time that you have and find those people more readily? You know, it's, it's, um, so you think of social media as a you know, great example is, you know, it's much more likely if you're looking to attract millennial joint venture partners, then Instagram is probably a better investment of your time than necessarily somewhere like LinkedIn. But if you're looking to attract joint venture partners who are boomers, who've got disposable income or over 50 years old, LinkedIn's a probably a pretty good place. Facebook might be a good second. So, you know, again, it's, it's time. It's time, resources, leverage the maximum out of that time that you have. Because a lot of the real estate investors aren't full-time real estate investors. So it's not even just the fact that you have limited time. You've then got a full-time job that you're managing, or you've got a full-time job and a busy family and, 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 you know, and aging parents and, you know, and it boils down to you've got three hours a week, five hours a week. You want to be a little, very much smarter about your time. 
That reminds me of someone I knew years ago who um, she kept saying, well, I want, I want to meet as a significant other, a male significant other. And so I asked her and I looked at her and I said, well, all I ever see you at is events where there's women. I, I, I'm going to suggest to you that perhaps <laughs> you go to right. events where there are men. <laughs> well, a, that's a great analogy, Laurel, because, you know, attracting a joint venture partner is like dating. I mean, you know, you could maybe you've got to kiss a few frogs to find a, a prince, but I mean, it's it's the same same thing. Where do they hang out? Where are you, where are you going to find them that they're comfortable? They're hanging out. They're, they're they're ready to have those conversations. Yeah, no, it's uh, some great points for sure. So now you started working with a lot of investors. I know you were speaking at the investor forum this past year. Yep. And uh, you know, are people looking for just a wide range of different things. Like I'm, I'm just thinking maybe somebody with a little bit more experience might be looking for or, or not joint ventures. Maybe somebody else is looking for, Hey, how do I brand myself? How do I become a speaker? How do I create courses? Like, are you dealing with a little bit of all of that or are they mostly asking for help in a specific category? I think the overriding picture for most of them is they're looking for investors in some way or another. That, that definitely is, is the case. And, and you've, you've said often, Sarah, and I hear it from other real estate investors, it's easy enough to find the renters. It's the investor side of the, the equation that's the harder thing. So I, I think that's an overall common theme amongst everyone. But having said that, you know, some, some of the investors are wanting to specialize in a particular product or service. So Ken Beacon Dam, for example, legal second suites, you know, that's, that's some work that we're doing at the moment in helping him really position that whole service and product as something differentiated. And that's where his focus is going to be. Yes, he does other things, but that's not where he wants his brand to be known right now. So that's that's one half, one side of it. You've got Danielle Chasson, who you know is looking at selling courses and getting training going and things like that. So that's a completely different target market, different conversation, different different way of going about presenting because one might be more of a, a consumer-driven uh, product one may be more of a kind of business to business type product so or service so yeah right across the board yeah that's a really interesting point that you brought up though about although you f- you try to you focus on one thing it doesn't mean you're not going to do other things and i think like i've noticed throughout my professional career or careers that the more you focus the more you narrow down what it is you do and 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 what you're looking for and and the kind of people you want to attract the more it seems that you attract all kinds of other people and all kinds of other opportunities. Totally true. I mean, real estate investing is a great example for me because you know, before I met Sarah, apart from having done some work with the occasional realtor and a few uh, speaking gigs with, with mortgage companies and banks, I wasn't really aware of the real estate investing space. I would never, I probably would have never have looked at real estate investors as a target market. But Sarah found me, liked, obviously liked what I had to say, at least I assume so. (laughs) And that kind of opened my eyes to that whole market. And then when you start to work in a particular space, other people in that space come to you. But that doesn't stop you being attracted or attracting other um, business because speaking at the real estate investor forum earlier this year, has created a speaking gig with the certified professional accountants of of Ontario. So, you know, happened to be an accountant in the audience, liked what I had to say, could see it relating to their business and their industry. So, yeah, I I just think if you're going to spend 
you're going to invest time, you're going to invest money, get known for the brand, and then it doesn't stop you attracting. But it, but it gives you the opportunity to say, as an opportunity comes to you that's not in your target market, A, is it, is it of interest to me? Does it get me excited? And B, do I have the capacity to do that? Do I have the time? Do I have the resources? Do I have the knowledge to help those people? If not, you're probably better off referring. But if yes, great, take it. I mean, there's, there's no, no reason why you shouldn't. How long generally, and this may not be a fair question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When someone is working on defining their brand, how long is the process or how long can it be? Well, typically, if I'm working with somebody on personal brand, its initial project is probably two to three months. But, you know, your brand is not fixed. So, you know, I say to people like the 360, for example, um, is something you should probably do on a fairly, you know, not regular basis, but irregular basis. So maybe once, you know, if you've, if you've got a whole bunch of feedback from people and you've set your brand, you've, you've spent the time communicating that, you're attracting business, well, that might be a good time in 18 months or 24 months to do the 360 again and say, is that perception still the same? Am I being perceived the way I want to be? Or maybe you start, you're looking at branching out into another area and you want to specialize in multifamily units, whereas before you were doing uh, single family homes or you want to get into commercial and you've never done commercial before and you want to rebrand yourself in that space. So you know, it's, a, it's an evolving thing. You know, brand is an evolving thing. It's not fixed forever. Yeah, that's, that's a great answer. You know, and I wanted to ask you because I, I originally found you by typing into LinkedIn right. branding and strategy and, and you came up and I was really impressed with your profile and all of the, I don't know what they're called, the accolades that people give and I don't know, two or three sentences that you had, you had tons of references. Right. And I think we knew a couple people. So my issue, and you know, this is the fun thing about being a podcast host, I can ask my personal questions. <laughs> <laughs> my issue is I, I work full time and I still have two different worlds in a way. So I have my whole, you know, sales job, sales manager job, work job with everyone that's on LinkedIn. And then I've got my whole real estate life that I do after work and on weekends. So how and, and should you merge the two? And how does that work on LinkedIn? Because part of me really wants the information on LinkedIn. And then part of me knows that it may not be the smartest choice to cross the path. So what do you say on something like that? Great. Yeah, it's a good question. And, and it is a challenge for a lot of people because you don't want your current employer to suddenly think, oh, well, how much longer are we going to have her working here? Or you know, is she really focused on the job? Or is she really spending a lot more time on the side, the side things. So I would say in, in most, most cases, I would say probably keep the two separate, you know, draw a dotted line or, you know, I don't think there's any harm in, in people knowing that you're a real estate investor. I think, you know, that, but you don't, you don't want them suddenly thinking how many hours a day is she really doing for the company? So you don't want to start promoting and pushing on LinkedIn to a great extent when you've got other social media that you can use to, to do that and keep the two Right. The two separate. So, yeah, you're, you're missing an opportunity probably for sure. Um, because LinkedIn would be a, you know, is a good avenue, I think. I think it's probably an underutilized avenue by a lot of real estate investors. I see far too many people posting stuff on LinkedIn that's just look at me and 
it's not really adding any value. And I think there's a real opportunity for people to do that on, on LinkedIn, particularly now as a platform. So, yeah, I mean, especially if like, in my case, my target audience is helping those that are in the rat race to have some type of way to get out within a certain amount of time. And so that is my target audience is people right. with jobs and f- working full time and, you know, potentially not seeing a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel, thinking they're going to have to work 30 years. And I still love my job and it's a great culture and it's a great environment, but you know, that is actually my target audience. So in, in a way I'm like, it's smart to keep the two separate, but it would also be smart to find a way to also help those people. <laughs> so I'm having a think as we're talking, so I'm thinking this through. The one thing that you potentially could do would be to set up a separate entity on LinkedIn that does not attach to your name. So this is kind of going against personal brand. But when people first come to me, one of the very common questions I get, and it's funny enough, there was somebody asked me at the Bright Club the other, the other night, should I brand my name or should I brand the company? And it is a great, and it is a quandary kind of question that's going through people's minds. And usually I say, if, if the plan is to, to brand, to run a company, to be successful, but not leave a legacy, so you're not passing it on to anyone you're not looking to sell the organization, then brand you. If it's something that you're looking that's going to be bigger than you or it's going to be passed down to family, then branding a name or you know, company name might make more sense. So in your situation or in a situation where somebody is kind of reluctant to shout from the rooftops about their personal brand on LinkedIn as it relates to a side business, potentially the, what you might do is is choose to set up a company page, SL, Real Estate Investment, Inc., or whatever it is, and then promote and add value and try and attract people. So you're not, it's not the person, there, there is the person behind the company, but it's the company that's kind of first and foremost. That might be a... It's a good idea. I'll get on. Well, I think about that, <laughs> and I, I'm now, now I'm thinking like major international uh, corporations. So... And then the reason Richard Ransom is popping into my mind is because I was going to a, an event where he's speaking. So, I mean, he started out, he was just a one person and he's created this virgin, you know, the virgin company or group or conglomerate, whatever you call them. And yep. however, and it's interesting that you say that no matter, I think most people, if you say virgin, they still think of Richard Branson, right? Yes, because his personal brand is, has defined the brand of virgin. Virgin, you know, Virgin is about maverick, breaking the rules, doing crazy stuff, doing things differently. You know, he, he launched Virgin Cola. He has a tank in New York time, in, in Times Square running over Coca-Cola cans. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's Branson. You know, that's, but that's Virgin. That's what Virgin's about. Okay. And the other, the other person who comes to mind is, uh, well, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, right? What most people who have read the books and played the game, the cash flow game, they know, they immediately associate it with a Kiyosaki. Right. He's, he's been quite smart though, hasn't he? Because he's built his personal brand and he probably still plays and, and earns off, off that. But he's now got Rich Dad Poor Dad is a legacy company. Yes. Which I think he's, he may have even sold part of or whether he sold all of it. But there's franchises, there's training, there's all those spin-off things. And yeah, he's leveraged Kiyosaki to help that help build that. But now Rich Dad Poor Dad stands on its own, a little bit like Virgin does. I mean, to to some extent. Well, and presumably uh, Branson's not going to be around forever, so the company has to stand on its own at some point. Right. 
Right. But some people choose, you know, they'll build a business and then when they die, that's it. It's the business goes with them. So is that what you talk to people about just as they're, you're branding a business, like what the exit strategy is? Are you going through that? Uh, I mean, it might be a conversation that people have in a, it, it, what do you plan to do with this? Where do you want to be? And it's such a hard question to ask uh, and expect a, a clear answer. You know, where do you want to be in f- 15 years, 20 years time? It's hard enough for people to say, where are they going to be in three years or five years? So, um, but if people are really serious, you know, you, you do get people where, you know, they've, they've got young families and they expect that one of the kids is going to come into the business or take it take on part of the business or they're expecting that to happen. So they're already thinking legacy or they're, you know, they're thinking I want to be able to sell this in 15 years and, and have enough money that I can give my kids a section of each of it and they can go do what they want to do. Right. So just out of curiosity, if you had to pick like two things, so somebody only has two things to do, the two most important branding pieces, I don't know, maybe it's get a business card or whatnot. What are the two things if, Somebody only does two. Clarity of message. What are they? Who are they? What do they do? What's the impact that they have? And who do they do it for? Yeah. And why, the, why should those people care? So clarity of message is, is first and foremost. And then consistency. Consistency of delivering on that message. So that it, you know, business card, email, letterhead, website, those are all tools to get that message out there. But if you're not clear about what the message is and you're not consistent with it, all the great websites in the world, the best-looking business cards are not going to be worth anything because it goes back to Jeff Bezos of Amazon has, is quoted as being the person that said it. I'm not quite sure if he actually was, but your brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room, period. That's, that's what I think is – that's why Amazon is so successful. You know, it's – um, that's his, his focus is what are people saying about us when we're not in the room and they're not in the room. So, well, although you've got Alexa now, so yeah, <laughs> I probably set off a whole bunch of people's home things now. So yeah, clarity and consistency, clarity of message, consistent delivery of it. I, I, I mean, if you're going to, if you're going to pick one, one thing, pick one social media channel that you're going to focus on first and spend all your time focus on that okay awesome laurel any any questions no i mean there's so many so many topics there paul we could talk for hours and hours and hours, drill down and but i think i think you're saying the, the clarity of the message and, and consistency however you get that message out there consistently like you said it's the tools it's 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 that is the that's the technical side of it and you can you can hire somebody to do that whatever it doesn't really matter um but nobody can do the work you have to do to identify your brand. That's pretty much what it comes down to, isn't it? You can't hire someone else. I can't hire you, Paul Copcott, to figure out what my brand is. I have to figure that out. Well, I, I mean, I do help people figure it out because they already have, me, but have it. Ultimately, it's me. It's me that has to do the work. Well, ultimately, it's you that delivers on that brand. Right. Okay. If I did it for you, then that wouldn't be an authentic right. representation of your brand. Probably, you know, a good educated guess, but that's still not right. Okay. Has to be authentic. Okay. Awesome. So Paul, the next part of this podcast is our lightning rounds. So we will ask you a series of four questions. 
It does revolve around real estate investing, but if you want to pick something different based on the question, feel free to tailor it as you see fit. Okay. Ready for the lightning round? Yep, absolutely. All right. So in 30 seconds or less per question, number one, what is the best advice that you've ever received from another investor or at a networking event? So this has changed. Um, I think originally in networking, it was um, to always meet people with an open mind and listen to what they have to say, even if you don't think that they're relevant to you. I, I always go into a networking event thinking, how can I help people versus what's in it, what's in it for me? But think back to Jeff Bezos. What do people say about you when you're not in the room? If you go to a networking event with that in mind, so if you don't turn up at the next right club event, what are people saying about you when you're not there? Okay. All right. So second question. Yep. And, and I'm going to modify this a little bit because normally we ask people, what, what's your favorite um, real estate investing resource? But for you, it's going to be, what's your favorite business resource? Actually, I'm going to throw that back and say, I should say real estate investing. <laughs> and, the, and the reason is I, I will say, and I'm not just saying it because I'm on the podcast and I work with you guys, but the, the right club is my most important real estate investing resource because every meeting I go to, I meet new people and I found out new things about real estate. And even though it's not my focused market in terms of the business I do, it, it's fascinating to me how people are making money in real estate. And it, it's just a great resource for live events. Oh, that's great. Oh, we're glad to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Paul. So question number three, Paul, what is the one attribute that has made you most successful? <laughs> I'm going to say a mind or memory for useless information that actually turns out being useful. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Give, me, give us an example. Well, it, it, it's just... People ask me a question and I seem to have the answer and I don't know why. And sometimes I don't even can't even remember where I got it from. But people have, have often referred to me as a human Google. So it's good to know. Well, when we're trying to debate on something and uh, our phones are not with us, we will got, go and ask you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and our last question then. So anytime during the year, it's just a typical Sunday morning. Um, what are you doing? My partner and I have a very, uh, not structured, but um, a very consistent Sunday morning. So walk the dogs, make porridge, read the New York, Sunday New York Times, which we get delivered, and then we review our weekly habits. Oh, you review your, your weekly habits. What does that mean? Yep. So we, um, we set habits for the month. We say we're going to do whatever it is, and then we track our habits daily and check them off, and then we sit down and review them on a Sunday morning saying how we did. And so it could be anything. So examples for the last month, so May, uh, as we're recording this, were not to eat after 7 p.m., spend at least, I was looking to spend an hour a day on LinkedIn in morning and afternoon, a whole bunch of different ones. So, so this month is I'm planning to run every day for 30 days. That's going to be one. That's going to be one of them. That's a good one. I'm going to hold you to that. I'm actually going to ask you at our next meeting if you ran every single day. <laughs> so what you'll, so what you'll like is uh, I'm going to tell you a quick st kind of fun story, uh, which is kind of a nice way to wrap up. So in Hamilton, where I live, there is a bike share company, and you buy an annual membership, and you can access these bikes and ride them around. So I never drive my car in downtown Hamilton. I'm, I'm always either walking or biking, and if you take a bike and it's up tied up to a lamppost, locked to a lamppost, and you take it back to one of the hubs, you get a 75 cent credit on your account. 
So each year I try and get enough credits to pay for my membership. So I'm a little bit behind and my membership is due at the end of June, which is why I'm, so instead of running, what I'm doing is going and finding bikes every morning. So I'm running to a bike, unlocking it, taking it back to the hub and then running to the next bike. And that's how I'm going <laughs> to get my membership and get fit at the same time. <laughs> that's awesome. Paul, if our Right Club Nation wanted to reach out and know more about you, where can they go? I'm on LinkedIn the most. So you'll find me. There's not many of us. <laughs> Awesome. Well, Paul, thank you so much. And do you have any final last words of advice or any last tip that you would like to let the Right Club Nation know about? Final tip. Don't try and do it all. You know, when it comes to brand, just pick one or two things and, and start with that. Don't feel that all, don't get overwhelmed by, oh, I've got to have everything in place. Uh, keep it simple and, and just work at it consistently. Amazing. Thank you. On that note, Paul, thank you for all your help, by the way, personally and for the Right Club and for being on the podcast and providing some great insights and for all of your support. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you both. Thank you. Bye. 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 And if you're wondering where your real estate investing brand currently stands and some steps to make it more brandtastic, you can download our free REI brand checklist at reibranded.com forward slash checklist. That's reibranded.com forward slash checklist. Thank you for listening and have a brandtastic day.